بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وبه نستعين وصل اللهم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم وسلم تسليما كثيرا أما بعد أيها الإخوة والأخوات respected brothers of Islam السلام عليكم ورحمة الله تعالى وبركاته we praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we seek his aid and assistance for whomsoever Allah as well guides none can misguide and whomsoever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala misguides none can guide I be with this and none has right to be worshipped except Allah azza wa jal alone without any partner and I testify that the Prophet Muhammad alayhi salatu wasalam is his final prophet and messenger Alfred proceeds then we say ahlan wa sahlan wa marhaban bikum we say welcome to each and every single one of you to our second session pertaining to our class getting the best out of hajj wherein we equip ourselves with the necessary knowledge and the necessary tools to optimize our benefits and our rewards for hajj bi idnillah subhanahu wa ta'ala and as you have mentioned previously that preparation for this journey is imperative and before this journey is actually actually considered to be a journey of one's physical self it is a journey first and foremost of the qalb it is a journey of the heart it is a journey of the heart and so preparation for this journey is imperative and we say specifically spiritual preparation because the one who prepares well for the spiritually will obtain maximum benefits and rewards insha'Allah from his hajj so part of this journey it is tawakkul part of this journey it is tawakkul to place our trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from the very inception but what does true tawakkul mean? True tawakkul means that we exhaust all possible means at our disposal and then, and only then, do we place our trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, taking the means does not negate tawakkul, but rather true tawakkul is taking the means which Allah Azawajal has put at your disposal and thereafter you place your trust not in the means, but you place your trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And for this we gave the uh, narration in Al-Bukhari and the story behind the Asbab al-Nuzul, the reason of revelation for the verse where Allah mentions وَتَزَوَّدُوا فَإِنَّ خَيْرَ الزَّادِ التَّقْوَى And take provisions for verily the best of your provisions is the taqwa of Allah azawajal. And the reason behind the revelation of this verse was that the people of Yemen used to travel to for Hajj without any provision. And they would say that we are Al-Mutawakkilun, we are the ones who place our trust in Allah. And so when they came to Makkah, they used to beg the people, meaning they didn't take provisions with them. And remember, Hajj is only an obligation upon those who are financially able to undertake the journey. And so Allah Azrael revealed the verse saying, and take provisions. For very the best of your provisions is At-Taqwa. And so, true tawakkul means to have full trust in Allah while exhausting all possible means at one's disposal. And 
one of the first, one of the first ways we prepare for Hajj is how? Is that we, we prepare financially. Right, so we make sure that we are financially able and we save for years, mashaAllah, and we put our money away and we prepare. MashaAllah, that fulfills the criterion of a tawakkul with regards to this particular aspect of finance. Also, with regards to preparation and with regards to true tawakkul for this journey, it is to spiritually prepare oneself for this journey. And so preparation for Hajj fulfills part of the meaning of tawakkul. Preparation for Hajj fulfills part of the meaning of tawakkul. So when it comes to spiritual preparation for Hajj, what is key? First and foremost, it is al-ikhlas. And we mentioned this when we discussed what a Hajj Mabrur consists of. And we said that a Hajj Mabrur is a Hajj which is based upon sincerity. And subhanAllah, many a time we hear a story or stories of people who are not financially by the means, but they sincerely want to undertake this journey that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala facilitates the means for them to undertake this journey. And there are many stories like this. This shows us that sincerity is key. Sincerity is key. That Allah Azza wa Jal, He looks at our intentions. How many people are financially by the means, but Allah Azza wa Jal does not accept from them. Allah Azza wa Jal does not accept from them to become of His honored guest. Subhanallah. And this is not tramping on the toes of any individual. But rather it's just to highlight this point. That sincerity is key. Allah looks at our intentions. And based upon our intentions, Allah Azawajal accepts and He facilitates for us deeds. So sincerity, the foundation of all acts of worship. Generally and specifically, it is the foundation of Hajj. If you look at the reason behind why we do tawaf, why we do sa'i between Safa and Marwa, why we go to Mina on the eighth day of the Hijjah, the day of Tarwiyah, why do we go to Arafah? All these designated places which has no virtue except on the days of Hajj. And by this I refer to Mina and Arafah. Why do we go to these places? For no other reason besides the fact that Allah ordered us to go there and we do it for His sake subhanahu wa ta'ala. So sincerity is key to always check our intentions. And the scholars make mention that once you check the intention before I did, why am I doing this? And for whose sake am I doing this? And you check your intention during the deed. So throughout Hajj, Ask yourself, why are you doing this ibadah? And we'll get to the talibiyah, inshallah, the beautiful meaning of the talibiyah. It, it is a reminder of tawheed. It is a reminder of our purpose for creation. And it's a reminder 
of sincerity to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So check yourself before the deed, during the deed, and then after the deed. Part of spiritual preparation is surrendering yourself in submission to Allah Azza wa Jal. Because this is Al-Islam. Al-Islam is Al-Istislam. It is submission to Allah Azza wa Jal. In Tawheed, that you submit to Allah Azza wa Jal and His oneness. That He is unique in His Lordship, He is unique in His names and His attributes, and He is unique in His divine right to be worshipped. And so, surrender yourself in submission to Allah. Place your trust in Allah Azza wa Jal. Value the opportunity of being a chosen guest of Allah and strive to be an excellent guest. Because as the hadith makes mention that the hujjaj and the umar, those hujjaj and those who undertake umrah are wafdullah, they are the guests of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah azza wa jal ordained upon them this journey of hajj and they responded to it. And so, if you make dua to Allah, He will respond. This is one virtue of being a haji. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He responds to your supplications. You become, bi'ibnillah, mustajab. You become someone who is responded to. And so throughout your hajj, one of the best acts of worship you can engage in, it is a dua It is making dua to Allah Azawajal. So, Allah Azawajal, He has made you an honored guest and a chosen guest of Himself. So strive to be an excellent guest. Know your surroundings. Know the sacredness of the precincts where you find yourself in and strive to be an excellent guest. If I invited you to my home, would you come into my house, open my fridge, go into my bedroom, go through my closet? No, certainly not. You would, ex you would appreciate and you would respect the limits which... I have placed as limits with me. So similarly, you find yourself in a sacred precinct. Know the virtue of this precinct you find yourself in, Makkah and Medina. Know the virtues relating to them and strive to be a good guest. Meaning, abstain from bad character, abstain from bad deeds, and abstain from bad in general. Abstain from bad in general. The Prophet Muhammad said, and this is the hadith we spoke about previously, reported in An-Nasai, the hujjaj and those who perform umrah are the guests of Allah. If they make dua to him, he will respond. And if they seek forgiveness from him, he will forgive. Subhanallah. Just by you undertaking this journey, bi'idhnillah, with sincerity for the sake of Allah, you obtain this virtue. That you make dua to Allah, He responds. And if you seek forgiveness, Allah Azza wa Jal, He forgives you. 
So Hajj is a journey of the heart before it is a journey of the body. Another key factor in relation to Hajj is that part of us obtaining the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that we must resolve outstanding differences with people. And yes, we find this good tradition which has somewhat become part of our Hajj rituals in Cape Town, in this part of the world, that before people go, right, they must go greet. So they go greet and they have a verbatim message, which we use, standard protocol, and we go and we ask, and we greet people. So is this really something the Prophet also did before he embarked upon Hajj? And the answer is going to be no. But does this custom go against the Quran and the Sunnah? Then the answer would be no. So there is no problem with this. However, we say that don't leave outstanding differences up until you go on Hajj. We find that family members have fallen out due to whatever matter, sometimes, most of the times, it is over inheritance. And because of this, because of a money factor, people do not speak to each other for years. And then before Hajj, we go and we apologize and we set our differences aside. Is this correct? No, it is not correct. Because we don't know if we will be granted the opportunity to perform Hajj. But part of obtaining the forgiveness of Allah Azawajal is forgiving others and restoring um, restoring their rights if we have taken their rights unjustly. So resolve or resolve outstanding differences with people. Then choose the company of the righteous. And this cannot be stressed more that a key aspect of Hajj and what will really enable you to have a good Hajj is being in the company of the righteous. As the Prophet Muhammad said, he said, Iltamisu ad-dar qabla jar rafiq qabla tariq He said that before you buy a home, then look at your neighbors. Right? Look at your neighbors. So look at the, the community at large. Is the good community? Will that community have an effect on you? Will it have an effect on your kids? Etc. Etc. So, we'd say that the best of communities is maybe further out from the southern suburbs, right? Um, Constantia, Newlands and the likes. So there we don't even know our neighbors. Okay? So, let's look at an area like this. Where there is predominantly or there is a strong influence of Muslims. What is better? We're going to say those areas are safer, but what is better for your Iman? It is this environment where we can see Islam, where we can hear the Adhan. Right? This has an effect on us. So, choose the company of the righteous on this travel. Choose 
a righteous companion before you embark upon a travel because this will have an effect on your travel either positive effect or an evil effect if you're in company of people and for example uh, the azan goes off and you're at somebody's home and the head of the house, the man, he gets up and he says, let's go to the masjid. Are you going to deny that invitation? No, you will not. So, this is the effect of the righteous on us. So, be in the company of the righteous. Those people will remind you of Allah. Those people will remind you and encourage you towards good deeds. And those people will also rectify you when you, when you fall short in a specific aspect. Also, be in the company of those people who have knowledge. Because that knowledge will benefit you on your travel and on your journey of Hajj. So Hajj as an institution of Iman. As Allah says, after the verses of Hajj, Allah mentions, لِيَشْهَدُوا مَنَافِعَلَهُمْ That on this journey, they will witness the benefits of this of this journey and the benefits of this journey is as Mujahid has mentioned in his tafsir of this verse he said al-ajru fil akhirah it is the reward in the year after wat tijaratu fil dunya and the trade which takes place during hajj so those people go in hajj they can trade it is permissible but first he said al-ajru fil akhirah he said the rewards in relation to the year after. And this only comes about as a result of Iman and Taqwa. Could these only come, uh, come about as a result of Iman and Taqwa? So, Hajj must be looked at from the perspective as it is a madrasa. It is a learning experience. And it is an institution of Iman. That they may witness the benefits which Hajj has in store for them. So Hajj is a madrasa of Iman. We reawaken within ourselves our belief in Allah, our fear of Allah, our recognition of Allah. And our love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is what Hajj is about. It should give you a reawakening. Because the one who goes on Hajj cannot be like the one who never ever went on Hajj. Because there must be benefits which you derive from your Hajj. And there is no doubt that Hajj is from amongst the best forms of obedience. It's from amongst the best forms of obedience. Why? It is fulfillment of something which Allah Azza wa Jal has made an obligation upon us. And we know the hadith makes mention of the fact that my servant does not draw closer to me by way of any deeds than those deeds which I have made incumbent and wajib upon them. That if you want to please Allah Azza wa Jal, fulfill the wajibat. A person, for example, he fasts every day. 
I'll give you a more practical example. A person, he recites the Quran every day. Because he lives for Bacha. Right? So, he recites the Quran every day. But he doesn't pray all of his daily prayers. This Quran he's reciting, firstly, it is a proof against him. How so? Because he is reciting verses which relates to Salah and the obligation of Salah, but doesn't fulfill the obligation. So the Quran becomes a proof against him. Secondly, he's busy himself with an act that is not a wajib. To recite the Quran is not a wajib, but rather praying is wajib. So he doesn't fulfill the wajibat, but he, ingre- he increases in nawafir. So, is this the method to come closer to Allah? No. First, fulfilling the wajibat. So, Allah has made hajj an obligation upon us, and He's made one of the pillars of our deen. And as the poet said, وَالْبَيْتُ لَا يُبْتَنَا إِلَّا بِأَعْمِدَةٍ وَلَا الْبَيْتَ إِذَا لَمْ تُرْسَ أَوْتَادٍ He said that homes are not built except upon solid foundations, and they can be وَلَا إِذَا لَمْ تُرْسَ أَوْتَادٍ And they can be in a home if the pillars and the support structure is not strong. And that which is the support structure of our deen, it is the five pillars, as we learn from a very, very young age. And that's why we become very conscious of this ibadah. Because from a very young age, we are taught this. In fact, up until this day, in Madrasa, we teach this. The five pillars of Islam. Not six, but five. Not ten, but five. Can any person come and add an extra pillar? Can any person come and take away a pillar? No. These are five pillars which Islam is in agreement about. That these are the pillars of Islam. As the Prophet Muhammad said in the hadith, reported in Bukhari and Muslim, which is muttafaqun alayh, agreed upon its authenticity, al Islam ala khams. He said Islam has been built upon five pillars. Firstly, shahada, testification that none has the right to be worshipped except Allah Azza wa Jal alone and Muhammad is his final prophet and messenger. And then to establish the salah. To establish the salah. Not just to pray, but to establish the salah. Meaning to pray it with all of its conditions and preconditions, to pray it with all of its pillars, for example, and to pray it in its prescribed time. To establish a salah, to give zakat, to fast the month of Ramadan, and to perform hajj. To perform hajj. And so from a very young age, we are made aware. We are made aware of this obligation. So hajj, as we previously mentioned, it has many virtues. It's a wajib which you establish for the sake of Allah, but you're getting rewards and incentives in return for fulfilling an obligation, subhanAllah. And from amongst it is, it wipes away our sins. And this refers to minor sins. It refers to minor sins. Secondly, it increases our wealth. 
the Prophet وسلم, he said, follow up between Hajj and Umrah. So verily it obliterates and it wipes out Fakr was the noob. It obliterates poverty and sins. Kama yanfi al al-hadid. Just as the bellow rids iron of death. You know, the blacksmith he uses the bellow, like this fan which pushes air out onto the, the iron and it blows off the dirt. This is how Hajj and Umrah wipes away the sins. And it also wipes away poverty. It also, we mentioned, increases one's wealth. And it gives you an endless reward, which is Jannah, of course. The Prophet Muhammad told Amr ibn al-As when he embraced Islam. And he was adamant to embrace Islam, thinking that all of his previous deeds would affect him after he submitted in Islam. The Prophet then told him, Did you not know that Islam wipes that which came before it? That Hijrah wipes that which came before it? And Hajj wipes that? which came before it. So all of these deeds, it wipes out whatever came before it. Of course, if you are a new Muslim, you embrace Islam, you are given a clean slate. So Islam, when a person embraces Islam, it wipes out whatever came before it. That hijrah, when you migrate for the sake of Allah from a country of disbelief to a country where Islamic Sharia is established, then that wipes out whatever sins came before it. And Hajj wipes that which came before it. The Prophet Muhammad also performed Hajj during the 10th year of Hijrah. And he outlined to his Ummah how to execute this Ibadah. He taught his Ummah how to establish this act of worship. And he said, take from me your Hajj rituals, for perhaps I will not meet you after this year. We know the Prophet only performed Hajj once, and it was Hajj during the 10th year of Hijrah, known as Hajjatul Wada, right, the farewell Hajj. And he said, take your rituals from me. Or perhaps I will not meet you in the coming year. The Prophet was given insight into the fact that he would not be with his companions in the year which came. And this Hajj was called Hajjatul Wada, wherein the verse was revealed Al Yawma Akmantu Lakum Dinakum wa Atmamtu Alaikum Ni'mati Waraditu Lakumul Islama. Dina. So Allah said in Surah Al-Ma'idah, verse 3, On this day, I have perfected for you your religion. And I have completed my favor upon you. And I am pleased with Islam as your deen. So let's look at this verse in context. Imam Malik, the great Imam, one of the four Imams, and he was the Imam of Medina in his time. 
He said, regarding this verse, that whatever was not deemed the day this verse was revealed will never ever be deemed. Whatever was not deemed on this day when this verse was revealed will never ever be deemed. Because the Prophet's mission was complete. And his mission was complete when he conveyed to his Ummah the entire deen. And so Allah Azza wa Jal told him this day I've completed your religion for you. And if Allah completes something, can you add to that perfection or completion? Can you take away from this completion? No, you cannot. Allah Azza wa Jal perfect something. We cannot add and we cannot subtract. And Allah says, I've perfected my favor upon you. If Allah perfects something, can we add to that perfection? Certainly not. And Allah said, and I am pleased with Islam as your deen. The Islam of the Prophet Muhammad The Islam which was completed in the 10th year of Hijrah. And the Islam was completed with the coming of the Prophet Muhammad What is important for us to take and derive from this is, is that the deen we are practicing today, we must be sure that when it relates to our rituals and other aspects of our deen, that we are practicing according the way the Messenger of Allah practiced it. Because there are many practices going around in the name of Al-Islam, but when you actually analyze it in light of the Quran and the Sunnah, we find that these are foreign practices which the Prophet and his companions never ever practice. Moral of the story here is, take from me your Hajj rituals. That this is key to obtain a Hajj Mabrud, that we do our Hajj according the way the Messenger of Allah did it. So it becomes imperative for us to learn the Hajj of the Prophet. Do what he did, say what he said. We said Hajj essentially is doing certain things at certain times and saying things at certain times. And this will really connect us to the Ibadah of Hajj. Rather than coming to Mecca, and we understand if it is your first time in Mecca, you'd want to get your bearings right, you're a bit overwhelmed at the large crowds of people, and you want to know where, for example, where Sa'i, where does Tawaf take place, etc, etc. But if you have a background of the rituals, you'll feel confident when you execute it. And this will really connect us to the Ibadah of Hajj, rather than us coming to Mecca and then scratching our heads, you know. From the time we arrive there, what's the first thing we do? Up until we get ready to leave, what is the final deed we can do? So, this will connect us to the Ibadah of Hajj, when we have knowledge of the Hajj of the Prophet Muhammad So, when we look at our connection with the Kaaba, we mentioned previously from a young age as Muslims, we are taught that Islam is based upon five pillars. And this is something which is ingrained in the heart and in the Iman of a believer. And so during the season of Hajj, every Muslim has a desire to execute this great Ibadah and he wants to be amongst those who circumambulate the Kaaba at this particular time. 
Tabi ya the chants of the Talbiya Labbaik Allahumma Labbaik Labbaik la sharika laka Labbaik Inna alhamda wa ni'mata laka wal mulk la sharika lak That awakens within you the spirit of Hajj and you want to be there So Since young we are taught about the five pillars One of which is Salah And a condition for the acceptance of our Salah is facing the Kaaba And so we develop this connection from a very very young age And from young a Muslim develops a love for the house of Allah And his connection remains with him up until his Ruh remains in him That you ask a person if he's on his on his deathbed and he never ever perhaps undertook Hajj or Umrah he might tell you his one regret which he desires to do is to see the Kaaba may Allah Azza facilitate for all of us the means to frequent his house often inshallah so from young a Muslim develops a love for the house of Allah and this connection remains with him up until his ruh remains with him and this connection drives a person to want to perform Hajj, to glance at the Kaaba, and to pray directly in his direction in all of his prayers. Of course, if we want to salah, we must face the, the Kaaba, meaning the Qibla. And we are commanded to face Jihad al Qibla, the direction of the Qibla. Meaning that if we travel all the way from this masjid, all the way in the direction of the Qibla, we might have missed the Kaaba, you know. So we are ordered to pay the direction of the, the Kaaba, and not the exact um, Kaaba. However, if you're in Makkah, then it becomes imperative upon you to face, you must face Ainul Kaaba, as I say, meaning you must face the exact direction of the Kaaba. And so, uh, this connection drives a person to want to perform Hajj, to glance at the Kaaba. So, Hajj as an institution of Taqwa, Hajj as a madrasa of Taqwa. Hajj is a great opportunity to stock up provisions for the year after. وَتَزَوَّدُوا فَإِنَّ خَيْرَ زَادِ التَّقْوَى That Hajj, essentially, it is a short period of time. It is a short period of time. But the lesson which you imbibe within yourself upon Hajj, it must take effect after your Hajj. During your Hajj and after your Hajj. And Hajj is a great opportunity to stock up provisions for the year after. For example, if we were not used to praying our Salah in its prescribed times, which should be the goal every Muslim at all times. On Hajj, you develop this habit. And after Hajj, it becomes second nature for you. We learn also about Tawbah, repentance to Allah Azza wa Jal. Inabah, constantly turning to Allah Azza wa Jal with renewed repentance and good deeds. And turning to Allah in obedience and exerting oneself in His obedience. These are some of the lessons that we derive from, from Hajj. However, in relation to Tawbah, 
Tawbah is not something that is specifically connected to Hajj. But rather Tawbah must be part of a Muslim's life. Because each and every single believer makes mistakes and errors, but the best of those who makes errors and sins are those who repent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, Tawbah must be the habit of a believer. Tawbah must be the habit of a believer. If you look at the life of the Prophet then he was the perfect example for us. And it was said that the Prophet in a single gathering, he used to seek the forgiveness of Allah Azza wa Jal 100 times. So this is the messenger of Allah, peace be upon him. The one who all of his previous sins and that sin which was to come was forgiven by Allah. And this was his common practice. Then, subhanallah, this should be second nature for us. That istighfar flows off our tongue. Astaghfirullah. Oh Allah, I seek your forgiveness. And we don't just wait for hajj. Because how many persons had the intention, but that intention was never ever lived out. Tawbah, in relation to Tawbah, part of spiritual preparation for Hajj, it is Tawbah. And we always hear this in our supplications, may Allah grant us Tawbah to Nasuh, sincere Tawbah. What is sincere Tawbah? Sincere Tawbah is that Tawbah that meets certain conditions. And what is the conditions of Tawbah? The conditions of Tawbah are four. Firstly, Stopping the sin with immediate effect. Not persisting upon the sin and not engaging in the sin all the time. So to stop the sin immediately. To stop the sin immediately. Secondly, one of the major pillars of Tawbah, it is anadam, which is regret. Like the Prophet said, sincere regret in of itself is Tawbah. That the believer, as long as Iman is within him, if he does the evil deed, he will not feel at ease. And he will not be contented with that deed. So, sincere regret is Tawbah, anadam with Tawbah. Thirdly, having a firm resolve not to return to that sin, at that moment. Meaning, it doesn't mean you will not go back to that sin. But at that moment of time, you make a firm resolve not to return to that sin. And then fourthly, and this is where the practice of going to greet people before you go to Hajj comes into play, is that if the sin involved the rights of others, you must restore that right. You know, if I harmed you in spiritual action, forgive me. This is where that condition comes into effect. That if the sin that you did involved the rights of others, you took wealth unlawfully, or you harmed a person, his honor, and so on and so forth, you restore that right to the person. And with this, Tawbah becomes sincere Tawbah. So not waiting for Hajj for this, but doing this already before your Hajj. Because it's going to ensure that you obtain maximum benefits on your Hajj, inshallah. So Hajj prepares the believer for great lessons in his belief, his worship, and his character. That Hajj prepares the believer for great lessons in his belief. 
right? People will talk about certain things they experience. Last year in Arafah, it's a day when it's extremely hot. You're in a barren land, desert, and here you find that Allah Azrael showers His mercy upon you, that the rain comes down. And this strengthens your iman in Allah, right? It strengthens your belief that you have a Rabb who hears and sees. And you know a Rabb who knows what you need at a specific time. And so, um, He blesses you with rain. It increases your iman. It increases your yaqeen, your conviction in Allah. Uh, lessons in His worship. That you start to develop um, an increase in His ibadah. That you start to make certain things part of your life, like praying the rawatib. Those 12 sunan, which the Prophet said, whosoever prays him, Allah Azza wa will build a house for him in Jannah. And these are the sunan relating to the daily prayers. Before or after our daily salawat, 12 raka'at. If you pray these prayers, Allah builds a house for you in, in Jannah. And it also prepares your character. That Hajj, it tests your patience. And so, no matter what difficulty you are going through, you can always refer back to that moment when your patience was really tested. And other challenges which you face now become easier for you. And all of these lessons, it begins from the very first deed of Hajj. At the Miqat, at the designated area where the Prophet said, when whoever comes across these areas and intends to perform Hajj and Umrah must profess his niya from it. All of these lessons, it begins from the first deed of Hajj at the Miqat and ends with circumambulating the Kaaba, meaning the farewell tawaf. That throughout this time you are deriving lessons in your belief, in your worship, and your character. And so Hajj in reality, it is a madrasa. It is an institution for Iman, out of which the Muslim, he graduates as a muttaqi, as a person of taqwa. And he lives up to the expectation of being a Haji. He lives up to the expectation of being a haji. Not the expectation in the sight of the people, but the expectation which you have in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That you become an honored guest of Allah and you act according to the level of being an honored guest. So hajj in reality, it is an institution for iman out of which the Muslim who undertakes his journey with a sincere intention he graduates as a muttaqi with renewed iman and renewed commitment to Allah Azza wa Jal to only please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in all aspects of your life. We end upon this note inshallah. We say subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika ashhadu alla ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk wa assalamu alaykum. ورحمة الله تعالى وبركاته